Hello and welcome to the Legends Podcast. I'm Jeremy, and Dylan is returning again. And we have Steven. Uh, Steven, why don't you introduce yourself? What's up? I'm Steven. I do a uh, podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, Google Play called uh, the Vundacast or the Vundacast. There's no real correct pronunciation. It's a made-up word. And I also have a little website called vundablog.com uh, uh, and a few uh, Twitters and Instagrams and Facebook pages and stuff like that. But uh, I'm basically just a nerd in Miami uh, coming up in the world, as they say. Uh, you want me to like give the origin story here at this point? Or? Yeah, why don't you yeah, yeah, go into that? Cool. Yeah. So uh, I am a uh, lifelong Star Wars fan. I'm the youngest of four brothers, and uh, around the time my parents got a Costco card and bought uh, the Costco trilogy of uh, of the OT uh, box set, uh, I would just watch it in our uh, in our van nonstop, the original trilogy, and uh, play Han Solo in the back uh, with like whatever baseball jacket I had on. Uh, I read the. Tales from Jabba's Palace and uh, Bounty Hunters and uh, Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina anthology books, uh, the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Uh, also got read up, uh, played a lot of Star Wars video games, uh, Super Nintendo, uh, Super Star Wars games, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Um, what's this called? Uh, Republic Commando I loved when that came out during uh the xbox days of uh of attack of the clones um i've seen basically uh i, I saw the re-release in the 90s uh on their opening weekends of uh the original tr of the special edition original trilogy <laughs> and uh i've also been to every opening weekend of star wars next year i booked my plane tickets for star wars celebration 2019 nice. um i'm married to a uh, raylo uh, wife, who is also on my podcast, Danielle, and uh, we had a Star Wars wedding and a Star Wars marriage proposal, um, and we own so many Star Wars Legos that uh, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I guess this is like my second retirement fund because there's thousands of dollars of Star Wars Legos over there. <laughs> Lego does better than stock. Oh, my God. I, I have a couple of Harry Potter sets that I bought specifically for that reason. So I hope you're right, my friend. I, I hope I hope Lego becomes the new Bitcoin one day. That's the dream. Oh it is. There's a <laughs> if, if yeah. I follow the Lego I follow the Lego market, um secondary market, and literally within like a year, within a couple of years of, of um, a Lego site going out of basically out of print, it it basically doubles its MSRP in value on the secondary market. You can't get that type of uh, interest rate uh, growth in uh, something something math. <laughs> yeah. So this is the this is the tip of the day. Uh, buy Lego. <laughs> yeah. Buy our, Lego uh, sets. This is the hot deal, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that reminds me of uh, before we get into the solo chat. I was giving Dylan so much shit because he was complaining about the new X Wing release. Do we want to talk about that, Dylan? Gosh. How you, how first world you actually are? Okay, you don't want to talk about first world problems. You make videos where you complain about the packaging of CD and DVD cases. 
I, I, I filmed <laughs> another one today. It's called disc case problems, okay? But yes, uh, <laughs> on, based on promotional images, they've uh, Lego has made another X-wing, miniature size X-wing. But this is the this is the first like um, proper like a New Hope um, X-wing or um, OTX wing. They've made the uh, first order ones, but not an OTX wing in like um, I want to say nearly ten years. That was in proper miniature scale. And they unveiled a new helmet mold design that's technically just, it's the same design. It looks like the ones that they do on the, um, uh, with the resistance ones. Mm -hmm. But they, uh, I don't know. It's just a new mold, and I don't like it because it's change, and I don't like change. Grumpy about it. Also, the, the nose is a little bit stubby, and it looks kind of small um, compared to other um, comparable sets of its size. So. <laughs> That was my gripe. You know, Dylan, it's not about size. It's about how you use it. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our, so our solo discussion. So as usual, Dylan didn't see the movie. So he's just our... Um, he's a pure virgin. I love it. Yes, I'm just here to ask questions yeah. because I don't know anything about this movie and to react to what they tell me. I love it. You like uh, who? Who is it? It's uh, Larry King. He doesn't. He never reads like a guest book before he interviews them because he wants to, you know, ask the questions that like a child and like someone who is who's learning about something would ask. So you're Larry King right now, sir. Sure, I'll take that. I guess that, that's a lot more polite than Dylan. You know, <laughs> that he's used to. Oh man. Um. So well, he's old, so he'll probably sexually harass us. I guess. Steven, yeah. overall, what did you think of this movie? We'll start. Um, I like this movie very, very much. I would probably put it in my top six Star Wars movies of all the Star Wars movies that have been released in the theaters. So um, six eleven. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Is it 11? 11? If, are you, is, does that count uh, the Bad it's Clone counting, Wars movie as well? Yeah, that's counting the TCW. Are we counting Ewoks okay, movies, okay. though? No, 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 Ewoks special. Are we just I, I, talking theatrical releases? Yeah, theatrical the, releases. Theatrical release. Theatrical yeah. release. No animated, uh, you know, no no droids, none of that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, Not about, that it would change the ranking very much, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, about middle of the pack. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was... Fun. Um, I thought it was a very Ron Howardy movie in that it didn't have you know a lot of humor, but I love that you know the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back, Lawrence Kasdan, the guy who really put his stamp on Han Solo as a character, um, got to celebrate the character that he helped make so iconic, um, and I thought he really, from a story perspective, I thought they really nailed the perfect balance of like changing things, but also honoring a lot of stuff at the same time. And I like that they walked that balance, even if they didn't go to the places or locations or whatever that I was uh, kind of expecting or hoping or that sort of thing. Okay. Well, let me get into this right here. So overall, I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it more than last Jedi. I'm just going to make that clear. This was, I think this was a much more solid film than Last Jedi and actually had progression. There were a couple really, 
there were some things that I was shocked they didn't put in, which I was happy. But what they did put in, there were a couple things I thought were really funky. And um, the cameo at the end, which we'll get to, was really bizarre. Um, but the Falcon, my biggest problem with the film besides the cameo was the Falcon looked too clean. Because it doesn't make any sense that it would get that filthy. And Lucky moved in. Yeah, but still, it's that was a little the, the Falcon just looked too clean. I mean, I expected it to look different because Lando's a different guy. He's not a slob like Han is, and I get that the, the Falcon would look somewhat shitty in Han's hands. But, but it was other, a little too sterile. Other starships we've seen in the in the trilogy, some people keep keep their starships, you know, mint condition, very clean, very nice. Other people, you know, ride them to the ground like Han Solo does. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was a it was a character decision, and it was they made the Millennium Falcon a character in the movie, mm -hmm. and the, their arc for the characters in the movie was the arc of the Falcon. Becoming the Falcon we know, or getting closer yeah, to the Falcon we know. In that so, nebula, that I was can't. that was pretty. That was pretty. Doing cool. the Kessel Run. I'm curious to know what Dylan has been spoiled of so far, without even like. Well, you know, I, I, I have actually a question about the Falcon and how it portrays in the original. Uh, in the uh, original Legends, when uh, that was canon before it was taken over, the Millennium Falcon was originally Lando's. Uh, yes. obviously and, and uh, he won won it and i think that and he won it from it and when you say like it's clean i actually don't have personally a problem with that because lando seems like the kind of guy he's you know he's a ladies man he's always out to impress yeah, yeah no so he'd be the one that would you know spiff up shiny it up make it look nice and presentable so i guess i don't really have a problem with that it, aspect. it's just the 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 stark contrast of how they looked in comparison, that it just to me, it wasn't believable that Han would wreck it that bad in that short of a time. But it's ten years before A New Hope. You don't think in a decade he's gonna make the white walls into brown walls well, when wait, a Wookiee is living smoking, in them? He's smoking cigarettes in there, you know. Bro, Han is dealing spice around the galaxy, smuggling, man. You don't know. There, there could have been a loose. Uh, a loose Minoc in there, and it pooped everywhere. Like <laughs> <laughs> that is true, but um, <laughs> there was some. Well, let's get into what wasn't in the film. There well, I think, no uh, yeah, we asked a question about what's been spoiled for me. What's basically been spoiled is the, the cameo at the end. Though I had actually heard rumors that that was going to happen, so that wasn't. That was just confirming things I'd heard before the movie came out. Um. Not much else. Again, I I heard about the uh, the so, final journey that it makes and the and it becoming absolutely trashed, and um, a few other cameo references to uh, things that happened in the book um, in the old books um, that were kind of offhand handedly mentioned. But that is uh, about it on what has been ruined or spoiled for me. Okay. Okay. So, no Jabba. No Jabba, no Boba. No Boba Fett either. That was... 
I was shocked, but I was okay with it because they're doing this Boba Fett movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 truly, in the Boba Fett movie, we'll get Salacious Crumb at last. The return. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's what that's what we always. I, I was I was hoping for Maz Kanata. That was my big prediction before the yeah, movie. Yeah, that was that, that was I weird. That was a misopportunity. Um, if they made a, more, if they made a second one of these, I think Maz would show up. I gotta I gotta imagine that's like surefire. She's got to show up. Also, someone that could show up is. That didn't was Holdo from uh, from Rebels. Um, not Holdo, sorry, Hondo, the smuggler. Oh yeah, there was no um, Hondo. And, and they do have a live action Hondo um, costume because they just showed it for Galaxy's Edge. They showed like a photo of like Chewie and Hondo talking. So they have like a costume that looks legit live action Hondo. So that's all, that was on the table as well, but. They didn't, you know, pull that reference out of their bag. Um, yeah, um, that might be for the Boba Fett movie that they'll have Hondo in there. That also might have been something because that they've had happen. dealings together before, if I'm not mistaken, in Clone Wars. Also, I was hoping for like, you know, even if Boba Fett wasn't going to be in it, IG88, Dengar. I mean, Rogue Boss One would have made sense. They they name dropped Bosk, but. Yeah, Bosk or like Bosk staring down Chewie, some like you know really juicy fan thing like that would have been hot. Like just Chewie and Bosk arm wrestling, give me that, please. <laughs> or just a fight, like a brawl, because Bosk hunts Wookies. That's that's what he does. It as as a pastime, you know. That's but what all oceans do. It's like a sport to them. Well, yeah, that's because their planets are next to each other. <laughs> the 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 one fault I do see in the movie. That is, I think, is a Ron Howard thing and probably a problem with, you know, all the production woes and stuff is that there is a version of a Han Solo movie where by the end of the movie, the relationship between Han and Chewie would make me cry. Okay. And the fact that that this movie wasn't played in a way where like it's a love story between Han and Chewbacca becoming best friends, um, even though they do become sort of best friends in the movie. um, I thought they didn't, you know, they could have really, you know, you could have tore people's hearts out with like the 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 sappiness and that. They also, sappy with Chewbacca when uh, Han finds him in chains and stuff, which was awesome. It was so dramatic, was really good. Yeah, that and, and that scene especially, I love how it takes you through a whole series of emotions mm-hmm. where all of a sudden it's like mystery and then it's like dread and then it's disgusting and then you go to feeling bad and then it goes to funny like it takes you through a whole emotional range that i thought was really special in this movie yeah um let's see what else was left on the table what else was left that they didn't put in there Um, because they hit I, th- there's there's a version of this movie hypothetically where you see Han, you know, becoming in debt to Jabba. Um, so yeah, this is half that, of his origin or half of his way to a new hope. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't put that in there because that just would have been too much for what they yeah. did. Um, because there was a lot going on in this movie because this movie actually felt like a setup in the last 10 minutes, which I did not like. 
I thought the last 10 minutes was a little much, except for um, the inevitable inevitable winning the Millennium Falcon from Lando. I thought that was too rushed. I, I would have wanted them to oh. to, uh, to 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 let the winning the Falcon be like a bigger set piece. Because I was kind of annoyed that the movie didn't actually, you know, teach us or like show Sabak playing in like an interesting dramatic way. So you know, one of the big EU things that George put in place before Disney bought out that game. We all know how Han won, but it was never portrayed in any sort of media. It was one of those sacred things. It's like what we don't know Yoda's species. It was one of those things that is sacred and didn't that wasn't touched upon ever. Okay. So the way that they did it in this movie, I thought was okay. We don't, there should be a little mystery to it. And how Sabak works. So how did they, Dylan uh, and I have actually played Sabak. I I played Sabak in the Knights of the Old Republic game. Yeah. Um. So you know we people there've been versions of it out there. <laughs> like, it just we didn't need a casino royale thing going on where we focus way too much on cards. But it's I wanted it to have that you know if it's going to be an Indiana Jones movie and a Star Wars movie. Lean into a little, you know, James Bond. Indiana Jones is just, you know, the James Bond of America in many ways. <laughs> so, what did they, or how did they portray it then? Because you're you're making it sound like it was like a two minute scene, like it where pretty much. <laughs> like, so, well, so well, well, no, they they had a setup scene before that. So the first time yeah. you meet Lando, he's gambling away in like uh, basically underground uh, gambling area where they have droid fighting and sabak play and you know. Uh, all that sort of stuff. And he cheats. Yeah. And he, that's the big thing. He cheats. And he cheats by just having a card up his sleeve. The right cards of his sleeve. So he does like the most old school westerny way to cheat is what he does. And, Han... and, and all these other aliens don't even notice. Even though there's one with a giant eye. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was done well. Uh, Han gets the upper hand. But uh, the one thing is I wish they would have focused on what the just the winning hands. Because Han wins with the idiot's array in the EU. Oh. That's literally the only... Because, um, was it Lando has a true Sabacc? Is that what it mm -hmm. is? Yeah, Lando had a pure Sabacc and then Han had the Indian, uh, idiot's array. Which is what, like a wild card type of land or something like that? Well, it's where... So Sabaki needs to have a 23, right? Well, you have a 23 or a negative 23, depending on what's, um, and what, uh, what version you're playing. But either one will usually work. Well, the Idiot's Array is when you have the Idiot card, which is a zero card, uh, the two card, and the three card. If you have the zero, the two, and the three card, then you win, then, um, you not only win the Sabak pod, but that is seen as better than a pure Sabak. And the reason is because in the Sabak deck, there are only, uh, it's like a 76 card deck. There's one through 15, and then there's there's four copies of one through 15, and then there's uh, eight copies of uh, of uh, essentially face cards that have weird values. One of them is the idiot, and there's only two of each of the copies. So, yeah, there's two cards in the entire deck that that are the idiot, and then you need a two, and then you need a three. That's the idiot's array. So you'd be getting two jokers. Yeah. Okay. As, cool. Yeah. 
That's badass. Yes. That is a cool little, you know, writery <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. But, but in a feature film, they would have spent a minute explaining that, or they would have had a weird line where Lando would have been like, I lost with the idiots array. Yeah, that was probably You know what I mean? Um, um, they had, uh, so that was like the setup in the middle of the movie. Lando doesn't come in to like, I think it feels like over an hour into the movie. Maybe, I don't know. I didn't really time it out, but it, it's a long time before Lando shows up, even though he's in all the marketing. Like, yeah, but Lando's a very minor character in this. Which I th- medium, yeah, yeah, medium, minor, yeah. Because like when the the main, so the the plot of this movie, so I can explain it to Dylan. Uh, after Han escapes Corellia, which is a giant shithole in this universe, it's basically like 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 uh, what's it called? Like England, like you know, like children enslaved, and it's just like factory dystopian you know, production, uh, industrial nightmare. It's not like it is in the EU. It's okay. very different, which was nice that they didn't rip that off. Uh, but the, his backstory is he's a, he's a thief just like he is in the EU, but to this weird centipede woman, which was a really cool Muppet. It wasn't CG. It was yeah. that was nice. That that was really cool. I like that. Um, and there's also like a, a really cool joke where uh, he's trying to outsmart the giant centipede woman, and he pretends a rock is a thermal detonator, and all the stupid kids around him are like running away because they know he's gonna get in trouble, and mm-hmm. he's like trying to be like you know smartass, and she's like, I know that's a rock, and then he hits a window above her, and she does like a vampire thing, and like towers mm-hmm. away. Also, what we don't realize till the be- till later in the movie is that we saw basically the moment after he got the dice um, that he's going to put on the Falcon that they had in uh, the Last Jedi, which, well, I mean, he, which he pulled. He pulled off a car. He pulled it off a car that he had just stolen, and it he sort of becomes to represent. Yeah. yeah, that uh, are a really weird plot device in last jedi that doesn't work in no it totally works it's it's a visual symbol and it's, it's it's two things bound together that are totally random that could turn out good or could turn out bad all right it's a symbol for han solo wanting freedom for wanting belonging it's a visual metaphor and it's also a convenient thing that disney can mass produce and sell to you <laughs> That's what that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, he as a kid, he and his girlfriend at the time, um, are uh, it, basically they're child slaves to this crime lady and they try to escape Corellia. They get separated. He ends up joining the Imperial Academy, which is really glanced over in this. Um, when I talk He's about Academy um, days, yeah. And when I talk about the Han Solo book I'm reading right now, that's EU, I will compare and contrast that. Yeah, that's essentially, it's essentially kind of the, the same that they did in the EU where yeah, but he it's was in the Empire. Um, in this. And it, ends up flunk. he gets kicked out of the Academy and ends up being a grunt. Well, well, before he gets kicked out, as he's entering the Academy, he has a moment where an Imperial officer asks him his name and he can only give his first name Han, which is kind of similar to how Ray could only give her first name 
and doesn't have a last name. Well, and, and then the Imperial is just like, all right, we'll call you Solo. And it felt very like family guy-ish. Like I was waiting for Peter Griffin to next to me to be like, hey, hey, hey. that's yeah, the name that of the was, movie. That was funky. Um, mainly because in the EU, he doesn't know. He, he actually ends up doing research as a child and finds out that his family are kind of wealthy on Corellia. But he's been distantly related to them. Mm -hmm. And his uh, was his cousin's a giant asshole that shows yeah. up later in the EU. Well, they, they show up a few that. times and becomes an asshole. He they, was an asshole to begin with. If you read AC Crispin's books, he was right, he, he was always an asshole, but he becomes an even bigger asshole later. Yeah, because so, isn't he in courtship of Princess Leia? He's so, an asshole. In that so Han's a second child. Uh, he's the youngest. No, he, he is. It's his cousin. It's his cousin, oh, okay. and he's a, his cousin's a giant douche. Okay. Well, well, later in the movie, they say that. Han did know his dad at one point and that his dad built uh, CT freighters like the Millennium Falcon mm -hmm. and that Han has always dreamed of owning the type of ship that his dad built. Yeah. Which, In a very like Star Trek, you know, 2009 sort of way, which, yeah. which I did because I love Star Trek. <laughs> but um, he ends up running into Woody Harrelson and their gang and they're trying to pull a con off, but they're disguised as mud troopers which are the new stormtroopers of this movie one of the cell toys stormtroopers this year um yeah and then there's a we meet like basically the first crew that han hangs with which is a sparky little uh alien i think his name was brio or grio or something or brioche or something like that i don't know but he's voiced by john favreau yeah he's voiced by john favreau and he's one of the, I think one of the first aliens who like just, other than Yoda, that just speaks straight up English. And he gives a lot of like, you know, jokes and sort of like shows Han how to be a smart ass. He's the comic relief for a little while. Um, and then Beckett, uh, the Woody Harrelson character who everyone thought was going to be like Han's dad or something. He is uh, apparently in a relationship with Sandy Newton um, from Westworld. Yeah, and, that's uh, where I remembered her from. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and there's Michael. I gotta let him in. What? 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 Okay. Welcome to oh, the, the other show. Guy. <laughs> it's late. Uh, Nightwing in the in the chat. No, we have not gotten we have not gotten to the uh, the cameo yet. He's we 30 minutes great. Don't worry about cameo, that. But uh, I wanted Michael to be here for the cameo. <laughs> so go sit over here. Shithead. So this is the cameo by Michael now that he's 30 minutes late? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting into the plot of Solo. He is the Darth Maul of this film. Oh, my God. Let's talk well, about Darth Maul. So, <laughs> let's, so Darth Maul's in this movie, and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen on film. Bro, Darth Maul has been long awaited return. I was I used to pray that Grievous was gonna open his mask and be Darth Maul beneath the mask. Okay? <laughs> Darth Maul has been a long time coming, son. People have been wanting this. Not like this. this well, not like what? He's in a he's the head of a crime organization. He bumped himself up to boss level. And Palpatine's in charge, and Palpatine double crossed him. Bro, he's got a vendetta, man. 
I get that. And I get when his, okay, good Darth Maul coming back, Rebels season two finale. That was handled a lot better. It but that, that Darth Maul is the Darth Maul after this Darth Maul. I know, but it like. So, gotta get there. He's still grumpy. He, he can't be so clever and, you but, know, philosophical. I would have been okay with it. Until he pulled out oh, the lightsaber and did a spinny thing because in Rogue One, when Vader pulled out the lightsaber, everyone got excited and wet their pants. So we yeah. had to have a lightsaber in Star Wars and it had to be spun around and obnoxious. That was like in my top five most obnoxious things I've ever seen on film, which a good chunk of those are from the Hobbit movies. This ranks number five. He was like a middle schooler trying to like look cool. He's like, ooh. I have the shiny sword. Well, I can spin I'm assuming it, it was okay. I'm assuming it was Ray Park, right? No. No. It, it was, it was the, Rebels Park, uh, the Rebels and Clone Wars uh talking and he's CG. So oh. which looked funky. It looked it, bad. it looked little video gamey, but I think that was just because it was a hologram. And what? always in holograms, things don't always, you know. They don't appear one hundred. It's not it, an accurate representation of what he looks like, fully was, composed in the film. Yeah, was I mean, it as it, bad it, as Peter Cushing like and, um, and Carrie Fisher in um, Rogue One? Carrie no, Fisher in Rogue One looks great. Carrie Fisher looked like Mister Clean's daughter <laughs> in Rogue One. Tarkin looked okay. No. I will I give Mary Mister Clean's looked, daughter. He looked all right. Yeah, mo about half the time it was like, oh, Peter Cushing came back from the dead. And then some of the time it looked like a video game. Mm -hmm. But like Carrie Fisher's just felt tacked on. This so, felt tacked on. Um, bro, dude, what would have been the impact of her talking to the head of her criminal organization and it's Jabba or it's Shinzon or, you know, what would have been, would, would that have gotten the same type of reaction as Darth Maul? No. Nobody I thought it was going to be Vader in all honesty. Same, like, actually. like Vader. I thought it was going to be the uh, Empire is controlling these crime syndicates to get their way. That's too like it doesn't make that's a whole so lot lazy. of sense, but you know, but, uh, Star Wars but, but, always make a whole lot of sense in my defense. <laughs> um, but like I thought it was going to be Vader. I mean, it's, I, I think it's kind of sort of just trying to be like, this is every Star Wars movie has a, you know, the government system and then some sort of rebellion taking place against it. Darth Maul's is just another rebellion, but we thought that these were just two totally different systems. You know what I mean? Which, um, speaking, going to the rebellion aspect of this at the end with the Marauders. And Fist Nest? Really I Big really, reveal. <laughs> I really liked that angle they did because one of them, I'm almost certain, is the same character that's part of the Sagarera's partisans in Rogue One. That would make sense. I, I, I missed that. It, it started cutting out. What'd you say? Oh, um, with the Marauders, there was that one alien that looks like the alien from Rogue One that's part of, like, Sagarera's second in command. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the, the guy with the mask, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I see that. I totally see that. What, what I thought was confusing was I thought for a second that uh, Enfys Nest um, 
because she had like curly hair and stuff that she was and she looked like mixed race that she was the daughter of Beckett and uh, Maul um, who had a relationship earlier or something um, yeah. but then they didn't go that way but that, that I just thought the mask reveal that it was actually might mean something um, yeah also people were hyper speculating over that character because she has uh, sort of the same eyeline as Kylo Ren's mask um, in that she has, like, you know, the visor straight line. Yeah, but, you know, the story group, the way it is, they might... <laughs> yeah, but now it. knowing that those characters aren't based on, like, being, like, pure evil pirates, they're crusaders, they're trying to be liberators, that kind of gives a different perspective to Kylo Ren's character. These people in the story group, they build stories in, like, very detailed, minute ways. Okay. Well, when when Lucas wrong. when yeah. Lucas put together and started putting out all of the EU novels and stuff like that, Lucas gave a lot of freedom to these authors to write the way that they thought the story should be told. Yeah, but he always signed off on it. Yeah, but I don't think that means that he read all three hundred pages of that novel. No, I think that I, means somebody you know, talked him through it. Uh, we Dylan and I met Dave Wolverton, who wrote Courtship of Princess Leia. He wrote a lot of the young adult stuff back in the 90s and into the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. We met him at Gen Con a few years ago, and he said that George Lucas sent him a letter saying that he read his novel and he liked it. It was right around the time he started filming Phantom Menace that he stopped reading the novels. But he read all of the comics. And I do believe he still reads the comic book, the Marvel comic books that are coming out now. But he was always read every, he read everything. In fact, um, he was so in love with the West End game stuff that he gave it to like Timothy Zahn to write the uh, uh, Thrawn trilogy. Um, there was a whole lot of things that he read, but even I, if he... I didn't uh, say he wasn't invested and didn't, you know, spend time with it. Yeah, Lucas I'm just saying that. there's no way he could remember or recite everything in all of the EU books the way well, yeah, you guys can. <laughs> most of the story group now was part of a group called the Holocron mm -hmm. that did all that for him. After once the prequels came became a thing, they created the Holocron, which is what Wikipedia is based around or was mm -hmm. based around. Now Wikipedia is kind of a mess. It need it needs more admins to like sort of decide what's new canon and what's legends. Because and fix articles on both because there's a uh, there's articles in canon that have legends content. There's articles in legends that is can it's it's a whole mess. It, yeah. it it needs it needs someone like me to be yeah. paid a good like twenty five dollars an hour to read. Also, shit. <laughs> also, if it's called Wikipedia, it's lazy if they don't have you know a Wookie uh, translation on everything they have. They Come should they, work on it. Let's do it. Grrr. I can type those R's and G's. Can we get a full transcript of the holiday special, the part where they're they're only talking in Sherry Wook? Well, we're for a business if that, we're doing Wookie translating. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the source material from which to build from. Also, I want the Wookie cookbook in um, <laughs> the Wookie cookie uh, Sherry Wook. I think that's actually what the language is called. Yeah, <laughs> Sherry Wook or Shri Wook. Hey, the 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 big thing about Wookies that bothered me in this movie was I was, before the film, I had set myself up for the expectation that they might give Chewbacca, like, 
a big like kiss at the end or something since we know that Chewbacca in the holiday special has, you know, a big romance plot. And I wanted them really like, for me, this movie was like the Jay and Silent Stri Bob Strike Back for Chewbacca. And that's what I wanted from it. I wanted more Chewy. And I hope they do sequels just so they have more Chewy. Like, I really hope the sequel is called Chewy, a Star Wars story sequel. Okay. Yeah, like, well, the thing is, this is the first time we've really, well, this is the one thing that the new movies have done pretty well is they've really started to flush out Chewbacca's character. He just doesn't growl in the background like he did in the original trilogy. I really like that. And especially they, started, they stopped wookie-washing him? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> or that cameo he had in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, when he, when Yoda climbs on his back and they yeah. run around. Hey, he has an action scene in that movie. Don't, don't, don't call he it a does. cameo. That's they not actually a cameo. had more of an action scene, but they cut it out of the movie. That's not a cameo. I, I I I really really liked this movie, and I thought that it did a lot to really show more so than Rogue One that when the Imperials are in charge of the universe, it's kind of a really shitty place. Yeah, I mean Rogue One did it too, but Rogue One's point was to be uh, a war movie, mm -hmm. and it focused on how the rebels are doing in this time not what the common folk or the crime mm -hmm. is and during this time so mm -hmm. i want to see more films like in all honesty i really don't care about episode nine at this point i want more <laughs> from like solo movies like i want like this boba fett movie i want to see this underground like this underworld mm -hmm sort it's, of thing built up it's nice to see a movie that isn't just like on the grand scale of you know the the rebellion against the empire or whatever it's nice to just like have a story that's just set in the universe that's not you know mm -hmm. the grand plot it's just like hey this is the everyday life of the people it's, it's not the galaxy is going to end tomorrow unless we take down this super weapon yeah and that that was actually it's just like my life will end tomorrow if I don't do this. Yeah, like I, I think you're gonna get what you want because my force-based intuition is that whatever the creators of Game of Thrones are working on for Star Wars will be like villain-based since they're used to working in those, you know, darker tones and stuff. I think that if they might get finally, you know, that Star Wars underground sort of you know TV show idea or series of film, something like that. I, I really hope they, they kind of touch some of the stuff that's in uh, the Shadows of the Empire novel. Because, you know, it would be great to see, you know, Han Punk Dash Rendar. Also, something that was missing in this movie that was left on the table that I was hoping for was, you know, seeing some Rogue One characters like Cassian and K2SO. Because it's yeah. totally fertile time for them to... Well Meet up. So the story group has already described how Cassian meets K2SO, so it wouldn't make sense to have K2SO in it. No, no. I mean just Cassian and Han and Lando. Like, why can't they all just play poker? <laughs> yeah, well, like, Cassian runs into Lando or something, and Lando screwed him over. <laughs> that would have been that would have been funny. Like um, the scene in Rogue One where they bump into um, oh shoot, I'm forgetting their names. The, the people um, are in the cantina that throw Luke. No, yeah. that scene was really... How hard. could you forget their names? They're yeah. wanted on over, like, 12 planets or something? Come on, bro. There's, the, the Empire knows their names. There's, like, 63 
million systems that are in the empire under the empire's jurisdiction. <laughs> They've only got it. The death is on 12 of them. Okay. <laughs> things in the movie. Uh, I thought that the action in the movie, like, even though we know that there's not really any stakes, Han and Chewbacca are going to survive. They're going to yeah. be fine. Lando's going to be fine. Even though those stakes don't don't exist, since they didn't have those stakes, they kind of like slaughtered everyone else. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they fucking killed everyone. <laughs> because I think that's what people liked in Rogue One is that everyone died. But I, I, that, well, that, that bothered me. At retconning, why aren't these people mentioned again? Oh, because they all died. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. wondering that because I read, I just finished Last Shot, which is the novel, the adult novel that was. Uh, it's actually facing backwards over there because I just did film my review for it. Um, but in last shot, it's Han and Lando after the Battle of Jakku, which is a couple years after the Battle of Endor. Mm -hmm. It's a couple years after the Battle of Jakku, like Ben's two, and Han's a family man now, and he has a boring, shitty job. Mm -hmm. And Lando is like thinking about settling down, and he has this love interest. It's like interesting. But yeah, my, in my wife's story, reading it right now. She just finished the Leia book, and now she's on to this one. Okay, it's it's pretty good. Um, but in it, you have a couple... F there's four different plots going on. We have the villain's plot, which is like right after Revenge of the Sith. We have a Lando plot with L3, and I'm like, why is L3 not involved with Lando anymore? Oh, spoilers. L3 gets wrecked and is now part of the Falcon. But L3 has been in canon or they made her a part of old canon because yeah. she's a refurbished astromech droid and she has an r3 brain which mm -hmm. was always said to be a part of the falcon uh in old yeah. uh like compendiums of like the ship diagram and stuff uh yeah. so I, I like that they tied her into that a lot of people um i was battling online uh because everyone you know ruffled a lot of people got ruffled by her being like She's basically the activist, uh, like Hermione bot robot of the movie. I, I loved you know? it about her. It was different. It was it was really fun and it was really cool. And I, I actually think it was kind of um, like, you know, a small morality sort of, you know, in the old school Lucas way uh, of her little arc before she got taken out to kind of show that like, you know, you can't just start a rebellion and just like, think you can cause chaos and everything's going to be fine and mm. you know you're going to get your head blown off yeah or get blown in half and end up with yeah. or so yeah. and a head being dragged but around. she's also in uh the books too um in that uh they say that i believe it's in uh either the force awakens novelization or the last jedi novelization that uh, the last jedi novelization that r2 yeah, speaks with the computer system and it's sassy and like uh loves romance and stuff like that yeah because it, it gives it's also to explain why an empire strikes back c-3po has such a difficulty communicating mm -hmm. with it. it it also makes you think possibly um maybe l3 was shipping han and leia like she purposely wasn't working so that they would hook up <laughs> in that room you know what i mean like mm -hmm. maybe she's invested in this uh in her occupants, since she doesn't have anything else to, and then send really C three people to cock block them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He is. He's like, we just gotta go. We're gonna get killed. There's no time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> God. Uh, I, I I really liked L3 though, and a lot of people got pit like we're trying to paint it like her character like would be like screaming in horror trapped in the Falcon, but it's like she died. She's a robot. She died. It's like they just gave the Falcon like a liver transplant. You know what I mean? With yeah, with her liver. Like droids. Like if you believe that droids have different rights, which they did in A New Hope, because they couldn't get in the bar. Right? Tatooine's a shithole. <laughs> and that place is a shithole, too. Tatooine's, Tatooine has slavery. <laughs> has human slavery on it, you know? Like, Tatooine doesn't give a fuck. You shouldn't, you shouldn't judge uh, other cultures, you know? I know, I'm being very ethnocentric <laughs> right what now. You, come on, Tatooine culture is unique of its own. Jabba right. would take offense to this. Right, they have... You know, they, they, they only conscript kids to play an extremely dangerous sport that ends in a lot of them getting killed, but... Also, no. this this movie reinforces a theme in the greater trilogy, which is that um, all of the sort of romantic pairings in the movies are between people from disparate backgrounds. Um, mm. Anakin was a slave who became somebody religious. Padme is somebody of privilege who became a queen and a politician. Um, and those unlikely people hooked up Han is now a scoundrel, and he was basically uh, a slave boy as well. And Leia was obviously a princess, and Kylo Ren is a fancy space prince, and Rey is scavenger scum. You know, it's 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 all a part of weaving all those grander themes together. I really feel like Disney's version of Star Wars is like a lot of people with a lot of English degrees really trying to get an A plus <laughs> from a really snooty professor. Which is well, I would what I would I want. argue that's what I want. <laughs> I'd argue the fact that um Princess Leia ceased being a princess once her planet was blown up because then no. she was no longer princess of anything. Uh no, because they're still all Duranian people. Like she becomes a general. You can't stop her from taking control of shit, man. Oh, I don't I don't doubt she wasn't a general and a military leader. It's just like you, you kinda have it. to have a you kinda have to have territory to rule in order to be considered a royalty, you know? What what I was trying to remember, because I remember when I read the Heir to the Empire trilogy, uh um Lando has his own shit, what I think was called the Lady Luck. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So does I'm wondering if any of the characterization I have to go back and, and recheck it if any of the characterization of the Lady Luck sort of fits how he treated the the Falcon. It was mainly it was really similar. Again, he he wanted sleek or extremely pr um, something he could like walk into a spaceport and boast about. Like, oh look at I keep my ships fine. Um, fine, it's top of the line, most ex uh, expensive with the. Uh, Mm -hmm. All the trimmings, you know, and uh, in a pinch, you know, it can it can launch a tor uh, torpedo at you. But, you know, that's only mm -hmm. I only have that for practical reasons. Th those launches are, are, are well hidden. Yeah. Uh, uh, another awesome part of the movie was that it's very Raiders of the Lost Ark in that Han basically screws up every mission he's on in the movie and stumbles himself into another mission. Yeah. Like, I, I, I appreciated the story keeping on finding a way to do that over and over and over again. Like that was enjoyable to me. So what were your guys' opinions on the 
established characters that we know, we know how they are. We've seen them in countless movies being portrayed by newer, younger actors. How do you think the actors doing Han, Lando, and uh, Chewie uh, performed in the role in keeping um, the characters consistent? Do you think they did a good job or, or? Incredible job. I was shocked because we all heard the news that, uh, what's the guy who played Han? What's his Alden name? Alden Ehrenreich. He, he couldn't act, according to Disney. They were having difficulty. They had to get an acting coach. Ron Howard. Supposedly he had a Ace Ventura pet detective performance under Lord and Miller is what they said. That it was very much like, you know, uh, like very slapsticky with his, like his smart alecky-ness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and he But that is not job. what we got at all. We got a very, you know, controlled, like they played him very much in the cool aspect ratio. Like they were definitely going for more Captain Kirk than than anything else. But it felt very Han Solo. And Lando did JJ have a writing credit? Donald Glover <laughs> did a really good job as uh, Han Solo, not Han Solo, uh, Lando Calrissian. Uh, it was very believable. Was There's also a moment where they explain why Lando says Han instead of Han uh, oh. when he first meets him. And Han's like, my name is Han. It's pronounced Han. And Lando's like, all right, Han. And then he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice little uh, tidbit to throw out there that uh, that was fun and like really showed their character and showed like, you know, like in that one little interaction, you see that Lando is trying to make himself cooler than fucking Han. And I appreciate that. Uh, the, the one thing I thought was kind of um, weird in the movie that I thought needed a little more explanation, which I guess because of the tease at the end of the movie is something they're going to give us in the future, which is what happens to uh, the Queen of Dragons, um, Amelia Clark Kira, um, <laughs> in the three-year span from going to uh, slave girl to second-in-command of a crime yacht of pleasure. It will um, probably be in a book. Uh, there's a whole yeah. bunch of books that are now shot, uh, scheduled to come out in the yeah. fall and then into and in the winter. Like, which, which I think it's pretty clear in the movie that because a lot of a lot of the criticism I've seen have been people saying that Kira being a love interest for Han devalues his love for Leia and their relationship. No, but in the EU, there was a similar love interest uh, that uh, throughout the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy that he had, he has a girlfriend. And and isn't in the in the current Marvel comics doesn't he have a wife that's that's black? Okay, Sana Star or something asshole that they got married to con someone out of a planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but legally you gotta you got a wife. Yeah, they they weren't really together. They talk about that actually in Last Shot. Because I don't like Sana Staros as a character. I find her really obnoxious. Um, I was hoping, because, like, the way... Th I'm going to... Disclaimer. Most of you already know this. I don't like the new Marvel Comics uh, Star Wars, for the most okay. part. I think they're very poorly written. And I think they're very gimmicky and junk. They I, don't take any risks. I wouldn't say they're gimmicky junk. I just feel like the Dark Horse comics... 
they had such leeway. I feel like the Marvel comics are just like like very just constant like JJ Abrams style where it's always the constant tease, you know what I mean? They're always just building towards a tease, 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 and never really just letting loose. It was, but there's funky choices they've done in there. Like Luke and Vader have a confrontation in the second issue. Mm -hmm. That was bad. Yeah. I mean, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the first EU novel, the climax of the book is Vader and Luke and Leia all fight, but the thing is that there's a... What, what is the crystal called, Dylan? It's, I don't know. It's like it's a really big kyber crystal that's... He's not a jeweler. He doesn't know. I actually well, haven't he read got, that he, got me a, he met Alan Dean Foster and got me a signed copy of the book. Like, How could you forget? So, You're breaking his heart. <laughs> but like, um, it's a giant kyber crystal that has the force, and Ben Kenobi comes through and actually gives Luke and Leia enhanced force powers so they can fight Vader. It's explained. But Luke ends up kind of not really holding his own against Vader. So he gives them like plus two force mana versus <laughs> oh, Vader. Right. Plus ten on the grave. <laughs> like, okay. but at the same time, you know, power and skill are two different things. You can be OP as hell, you know, like Anakin, but you can have terrible skill and still get beat in a lightsaber fight. Okay. Question, because uh, me and my wife were speculating on this, and I wonder if this has any uh, anchor in any other Star Wars uh, canon. Um, on the dark side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. um, between a master and apprentice, the master is siphoning or getting some sort of power from having an apprentice, right? Like through the force, like that there should be some sort of like, you know, symbiotic to a force going on, right? With the rule of two, because I just read the Darth Bane books and in the Darth Bane mm -hmm. books, Darth Bane gets rid of the brotherhood of darkness and submits the rule of two. And mainly they stay two because multiple apprentices would rise up and kill the master and the dark side would be tainted and not as good. Yeah, you can't get that pure dark side if everyone's trying. Yeah, to his philosophy cut was cut up the good stuff. Him and his apprentice weren't powerful enough to stop the Jedi. So his philosophy was um if I cuz his apprentice was like 8 when he took her on mm -hmm. and like I'm going to teach this person everything I know until they become powerful enough to defeat me then she's going to do the same, and every single line of Sith is going to become more powerful than the next until we can get to a Sith who is powerful enough to actually take on and defeat the Jedi. That, that Sith ended up being Palpatine. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of his philosophy of... It wasn't that the Masters got power from the Apprentice. It was that the Apprentice learned from the Masters until they became more powerful and would challenge them. And the problem is Jeremy said... After when a while, it was also the amount of riches they got because Bane becomes very wealthy by the mm -hmm. time the third book, Dynasty of Evil, is out there, and he uses his wealth to gain more knowledge. And each Sith, um, up and there's it's a little hazy as to the Sith line up until Darth Tenebris, which is Palpatine's master's master. Uh, he invested a lot into Bith science, which is where you get your cloning aspects and why the clone army exists. And then Plagueis kills mm -hmm. Tenebris, and Plagueis sort of continues that, but also he takes on Palpatine, and Palpatine becomes the senator because Palpatine becomes the orphan 
because I won't spoil it because it's a really good book. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, cool. No one hasn't read yet. Okay, I okay. Oh, I've read Plagueis. Have you read it finally? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that that reminds me. In Solo, there's a cool little uh, Palpatine cameo in the beginning when he goes into the the Imperial uh, like recruitment sort of area. There's like a video playing that's voiced over by Palpatine. That is also has like the Imperial March playing in the promotional video. Yeah, where it's, it's basically Palpatine. like join the Empire type of thing. Remind me of a lot of Starship yeah, Troopers. Totally, <laughs> like, it like was in a good Troopers. way. It's Starship. Hell Troopers. yeah! Hell yeah! Come join uh, Darth Vader's Roughnecks and uh, learn your place. If you don't get force choked first. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is the second podcast you've been on, Michael, where we reference Starship Troopers. <laughs> Because <laughs> I do another show, uh, not to plug my own show, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it. Peddlers, where um, our f- other friend, another person named Dylan, who's a pain Whoa. in my ass, is on there. And he and I talk about life stuff. And we had Michael on there. And we talked about his dad. And then we ended up talking about Starship Troopers <laughs> on there. So. I love Starship Troopers. Paul Verhoeven is one of my uh, favorite uh, directors to watch his movies and just laugh and cringe and enjoy. Starship Troopers or RoboCop? Which is better? Which is better? Starship Troopers or RoboCop? I'm not a huge Robo RoboCop guy. I I, I want to say uh, 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 Total Recall, man. What's wrong with you? That's the oh best Oliver Hogan movie. Okay, get your ass to Mars. Three-titted aliens. That's what it's about. Mutants. Come on. Whorehouses. That's what Mars is about. That's I'm waiting for them to remake Starship Troopers and ruin it like they did with Total Recall and <laughs> RoboCop. Back in, back yeah. in the day when uh, when I video gamed a lot and stuff, my favorite thing to say to people when I would like jump and surprise attack them and kill them was, uh, was the end of Total Recall. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, chops off... Um, Michael Richards, uh, no, Michael Ironside's arms in an elevator, and he goes, See you at the body, Richter. And that is like the, for me, that's the climax of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Not when everyone's eyes come out of their heads and it's super gross. How do their eyes get back in their heads? Those are are just sprinkles on the Sunday, okay? The ice cream is Michael Ironside thinking about his girlfriend getting pounded by Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? That is the ice cream of that film. Um, And in many ways, I think that Han Solo in the next movie is going to be thinking about if Dryden pounded on Kira because they definitely had some deep connection. I feel like they were both... I feel like these Star Wars movies are kind of about people who are surviving, uh, like, child abuse and dealing with... Like, like trauma, oppression. Yeah, yeah, but they're also dealing with like trauma and like you know trauma from being in like bad relationships, abusive relationships. And I think we're gonna learn more about Dryden and how he treated her and why Dryden has scars. And I think that was very purposeful. And that's also mm-hmm. symptomatic of stuff that is between Vader and Palpatine and Snoke and Kylo Ren. Um, I think that was just more seeding of those themes into the movie. I thought the Dryden stuff was going to be 
a lot bigger part of the movie. Yeah, that was peculiar um, because I really liked Dryden, what we got of him, but mm -hmm. I was thinking he was going to be like an Orson Krennic where we were going to see a lot more of him. Yeah, but we yeah. didn't, and I was a little bummed out. But he's he a way better villain than Orson Krennic was. Yeah, well, if you read the books, Orson Krennic's character is explained more in his okay. motivations and his relationship with Galen Because Because whenever I see anybody cosplaying Orson Krennic, I feel like they just want to wear a white cape. Like, I feel like that character <laughs> just survives on his white cape. I seriously recommend Catalyst, a Rogue One novel. Okay. It's, it's, it's ta it basically bridges Revenge of the Sith to Rogue One. So it's in this exact time period. It's it's in this can <laughs> and it's in the canon. It's James Lucino. James Lucino is one of my favorite authors. It's James one of my Lucino it's my favorite no of his new canon books. Mm -hmm. Also, re I recommend reading Tarkin as well because it's referenced in there, and that and, way you understand what's going on. And Solo is ten years from the Battle of Yavin. This movie it starts ten years before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, can you grab the last, yeah. last which, shot which, right which there one? so I can show you on the timeline where which, this book is? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I, but what I'm interested that I, I think is a nitpicky question, because they said this movie is set 10 years before the Battle of Yavin, and there was a three-year time jump in the movie. Does that mean that the 10 years started after that three-year time jump? No. Or before that three-year time jump? Typically not, no. Okay. Um, the majority of a Star Wars film will end up, you know. How did you feel about not having a crawl, but having a sequence of like, you know, dystopian description, like it was Escape from New York or something? You know, I was okay with it because on uh, Rogue One, I made the joke that the, uh, the the Saturn ring was the title crawl, and we just saw it from the wrong way <laughs> when I saw it initially. <laughs> but um, no, I'm fine with it. It's. Did uh the other thing that I thought might another I guess someone else who could have stood in for Darth Maul would have been Saw Gerrera. He has robot legs. He's in the that time period. Sense. He does shady. He does shady stuff. Yeah, but that's not. That's a little too crazy for Saw Gerrera. It's a little too evil, I should yeah. say, for Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, He's yeah. a crazy right. fuck. He's a crazy giant asshole that leaves Jin in a fucking mm -hmm. bunker. Mm -hmm. Also, I thought that the story worked so well in that the like they were always going at like they explained that they had like that you know combustible um, what was it called uh, the 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 fuel basically for oh yeah um... what makes it go so basically the movie was just a series of events of stealing progressively more of that fuel and. Failing you can to do so. <laughs> say that this is a remake of Road Warrior. Let's be honest. Of Road Warrior or Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark and Road Warrior in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, which to me sounds fucking awesome. The more you you, you sell it like that, you got my money every time. Yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about what this movie made this weekend. Yeah. Because so it's got. That's typically what we do. Um, oh, hold on. Uh, your what was your name again? I'm sorry, Michael. Michael, Michael. We we said we we liked the movie, blah blah. In your reaction video, I saw you didn't like the movie. Okay. Okay. Well, do you feel so, not like the movie, or has time sort of warmed it up a little bit? It's now that you digest it a little. 
it's not that I didn't like it. I I was a little I was a little heated when we when we recorded that. That was right after we walked out of the theater. Mm-hmm. Overall, I liked the movie. I it, it was really fun. You know it. You know it it hooked me. It you know kept me interested. I liked what it did. It was it was Maul at the end that just being myself, someone that I don't read the books, read the comics. I haven't seen. Um, What's the shitheads? Clone Wars. Yeah, I haven't seen um <laughs> shitheads. <laughs> the shitheads Clone Wars. So like to me, Maul showing up wasn't like you know oh this is this is him before he shows up in Rebels. For me, being you know somebody that only watches the movies, it was here's just something so the audience will be like whoa. And that's that's a story. <laughs> it, yeah, we need to learn about that in another movie. It just once once that scene came up, I I rolled my eyes and they never came back. Like <laughs> I was just really I was pulled out of the experience. I was I was really into it and then I saw that and I kind of just didn't feel like caring about the movie anymore. But with time, like that was just like a a reactionary response and it's it's diminished and you know in retrospect I look I look back and it's like those that was one scene that I really didn't like in a movie that I did like. That you did enjoy. Okay. The the one thing about that scene that changed my perspective while I was watching the movie was that scene felt so Kevin Feige, so Marvel to me, like a Marvel movie, that it I felt like, oh, this is their Iron Man one and Darth Maul is their Nick Fury and Kira is gonna get a chance to be on the evil Avengers. <laughs> this is awesome. And that's like, the thing I hate about the mm-hmm. di- the Marvel Studios Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. It's the, the number one thing I fucking hate. Well, I did not like Infinity War, although I like all the you know eighteen previous Marvel films. So I feel you. <laughs> it's okay. They're not perfect. They're not like that's what pisses me off about the Marvel movies and Disney buying everything and owning everything is that I feel like all these other studios are bending over backwards to try to become Marvel and become Disney, but that's not the the thing that's best, you know, like that's not the thing that is really satisfying, you know? It's it's not really sustain it's not a sustainable model is really what I'm trying to because yeah, I get what you're saying. It's it's oversaturation, it's fatigue. Like even though it's technically a Marvel movie and even though it's uh, a, um, even though it was technically again a superhero movie, the the reason uh, Deadpool the first one did so well was because it didn't follow that formula. It was something that the audience at that point hadn't seen yet, mm-hmm. and I think you're getting to a point that they don't need to that they could be just fine if they let Marvel do Marvel and they did something else that would be unique. Is that so- is that what I'm? That's, that, that's sort of what I'm getting at, but more so it's sort of like the unrealistic expectation that you should spend $200 million on every movie and that that movie should make a billion dollars and lead to another movie that will also make a billion dollars because you spent $200 million on it. Like, it's, it's not a sustainable model. The model of success that works, it's like, it's like dieting, okay? People come up with a million diets all right? But ultimately, what's going to get it done is eating better than you currently do and exercising more 
sometimes depending on whatever your you know physical thing or whatever is more than you usually do usually that works just like with movies if you spend less money and try to tell a better story there's a higher chance you'll connect with people and make more money if you spend less money you have a chance of making more profit um and not every movie has to make a million dollars batman begins made less than superman returns when it came out okay yeah this movie is the best memorial day weekend in the last five years and yeah. disney has opened a bunch of bombing franchise sequels on this weekend this is their hit they are proud of this even if variety and all the newspapers are saying that it's an underperforming failure that means it's still performing it's number one not all movies perform the mummy made 30 million dollars this is already beat. domestically <laughs> that beat that like saturday <laughs> yeah it beat that like thursday to like friday at 11 o'clock <laughs> well this cool. this is the lowest grossing star wars film since the Disney buyout. But the thing is, with the Disney buyout, they've all gone down because The Force Awakens was so hyped up because it's been 10 years since there... Mm -hmm. Well, we don't count Dave Filoni's movie. But it's been like 10 years mm -hmm. since there was a live-action Star Wars film. So the, it was electric when it yeah. came out. And Rogue One made less than that, and Last Jedi made less than Rogue One. You know, it's... But it's just what it is, but, we get a Star Wars movie. But a year. on a whole, the film industry made less money, and Disney took a bigger portion of that less money from the film industry. The other problem I think this movie and Disney movies are going to suffer with is 3D ticket sales have been down, and when people don't want to spend seventeen, sometimes twenty-five dollars in some places to see a 3D movie and movie theaters put the 3D movies in all the best time slots on purpose, okay? That deters people and especially deters people from re-watching and stuff like that. Also, there's a large chunk of people that have movie pass that cuts yeah. into um, tickets and stuff like that. It's This is a problem or this is a situation more, it's the situation. It's not our problem. <laughs> it's not our problem. It's a we situation. It's a situation that's beyond a lot of people's control and has so many factors. Well, let's, well, let's segue into my last point about this film, and it's not about the film itself. We walked in. I was expecting we were running a little late. I was expecting a full theater until I realized that Eight of the ten screens in our local movie theater were all showing solo, and this is like a Disney requirement. Yeah, yeah, they, they have it. Mm -hmm. And Disney renegotiated to get a larger cut of opening weekend from the movie studios because it used to be like a 50 50 cut, and Disney said, no, 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 we take like 65 and you guys get 35 on opening weekend. And you have to do 10 screens or else you don't get any of the Marvel movies. You don't get any of the Pixar movies. You don't get any of the Star Wars movies. But it's absurd for because our, our theater is a privately owned, it's a local theater. It's a it's really little, small, really small theater. Mm -hmm. And there was only two other movies mm -hmm. showing. Yeah. Deadpool like, 2. And I don't know what the other one was. But it, like, uh, uh, I think 
Infinity War was showing in one of them. Okay. But yeah, like mm -hmm. our theater has like like eight rooms, I think. And like, yeah. and like six of them were fucking <laughs> a solo. Yeah, it was it was really crazy. Um it but, but, caused me to do a can rant. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. My my, my 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 theaters have been packed. So I haven't had that experience. Ours wasn't. It was half over half full. Would you say? You also I feel like it was a little less than half. It was actually it was less than half because no one was sitting in the front flat area at yeah. all. Because no, there's no I think there was one person I saw up there. Because there was we there was a seven fifteen three D showing. And then we were at the eight o'clock two D because I don't I don't watch three D. Mm -hmm. We should also say, just for comparison, you guys live in um, you guys live in California, but you live north of San Francisco. Where if you don't know oh, anything yeah. about California geography, there's like no, almost no one lives north of San Francisco. Well, so I mean, people live in Sacramento. <laughs> that's a, that's about it. But I've actually no seen north of Sacramento. I have seen on social media a lot of people posting photos of um, the theaters when they went in, and either they were the only ones, or there was like a handful of people in there. Which I guess, I guess, kind of goes into. I always take um, that with a grain of salt because sometimes, you know, that's that's people. The film's fault. I think it's honestly film. These studios are requiring such a larger cut that they're raising the prices of going to see a movie. And personally, I don't mm -hmm. like going to the movie theater uh, but, because home theaters have gotten mm -hmm. to a point where it's practically the same. Well, I agree. The reason I even go is I I go and support, like I go and see the blockbuster well, movies. Well, I I, I I like to really go be to the theater so much because I like to see how it plays in the crowd. You know, I like to feel that reaction, mm -hmm. um, uh, in a crowd, especially on opening weekends. I like to see how things are playing out to like, people. I guess to the, uh, I guess to the news of it on on like underperforming which i don't necessarily think it's underperforming i think it's performing about what disney expects which is mm -hmm. why i don't think they care about the box office numbers because mm -hmm. there's kind of two things that are happening with it underperforming um the first one is it's not a mainline story um star wars story it's a side story mm -hmm. so less people are going to see that and if you don't believe me um total gross force awakens made two billion dollars worldwide Rogue One next year made one billion worldwide, and then uh, the Last Jedi made one point three billion. So there was a there was a drop, drip, uh, there was a drop, and then it went back up as soon as the mainline story. So that's working against it. And the other thing is, um, the Last Jedi did piss a lot of people off. And uh, I still before we get to Last Jedi, I still think Solo is going to make a billion dollars. It hasn't opened oh, in Japan I yet. It's going to yeah, play all summer long, and it's built to be a very enjoyable, easy-to-watch action movie to take your kids to. Like, and I do agree. I do agree with that. It's going to it's going to do – it's going to make a lot more because it's only out of – and everyone's saying, like, it's only made $100 million. It's like, yeah, well, it's it's only the opening weekend. Like, give it a couple months, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes from there. But there's those – there's those uh those few things that are kind of working against it. It's not a mainline story movie. Um, it's not a mainline stars movie. Um, there is a bit of there is a bit of backlash against um the last Jedi that is causing less people even less people to go to the movies. And again, it's not been out for that long, and uh, Disney has the problems with the theaters. Plus, also, 
people already went to the movies very recently to see Avengers Infinity War. Like, yeah. literally everyone in the world went to go see Avengers Infinity War in theater. And some people around the world can only afford to see a movie in a theater once a month. And this movie is barely four weeks away from Avengers Infinity War. And I feel so, like there's probably a lot of overlap between the people mm -hmm. that would want to see like Solo mm -hmm. and the people that probably also want to see Deadpool 2, which I'm pretty sure came, came out, out a little It came out a week before. That's so it actually also plays into the idea of not having enough money to go see a bunch but of movies. Deadpool 2 got slaughtered against Solo because mm -hmm. the original well, Deadpool... Deadpool 2's rated R. That's what's no, gonna but, but the original Deadpool from the, the all the movie studios, they're obsessed with retention rates in theaters. So the first Deadpool from the first weekend to the second weekend had like a like a fifty percent, forty percent um uh drop in 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 the amount of money it made. And that is like really great. The the dream is to have fifty percent um, retention rate from weekend to weekend to keep on making money and that's basically their their algorithm for figuring it out and it always works out somehow like they're well, freaking geniuses and well, Deadpool so 2 dropped 77% holy shit well that's part huge. of the problem with Deadpool 2 Deadpool one of the big things that went for it is because Deadpool at times is a kid friendly comic sometimes mm -hmm. Deadpool can be fun with the kids he's on Ultimate Spider-Man he makes jokes on there he had the your mama jokes there was a uh, there's a baby at my deadpool screening and like four-year-olds yeah and <laughs> on opening night parents, people think they're kids they I dig it the gremlin syndrome where they thought it was for some reason even though it's rated r they thought oh it'll be okay maybe it's a little violent maybe a little bit of swearing for the kids and then they go in there and there's fucking tits there's people there's no getting like ripped apart. Kids no in Deadpool two. They stayed away from all the sexy stuff for the sequel. They made it very family friendly. Deadpool two. Well, they only have like one cum joke. They just show a baby's dick. They were very very weak on Deadpool two. Deadpool one had had Deadpool getting pegged in the butt. Okay, and he had a sexy Deadpool montage. Okay, yeah. Deadpool two was like a Mormon film compared to Deadpool one. Deadpool okay. two was like when they had the Happy Lent joke for an entire movie. But I love Deadpool two because I love Juggernaut. Oh my god, that was the best. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so so something that I noticed, or at least it, it seems to me, as if Solo was a lot less advertised than some of the other recent Star Wars yeah, films. Yeah, I would honestly out. say it was because of the problems. In production, that's why this didn't come out in December. Um, I think Disney expected this to bomb, and it didn't. So good for them. Um, Disney, Disney, I think Disney expected it to not bomb, but I think they expected this. They expected it to underperform. They knew they yeah, were putting it in a shit weekend. They knew it. Mm -hmm. Well, so like, because you, sorry, um, leading up, like leading up to um to the Force Awakens, like everyone I knew was talking about it. Leading up to Rogue One, everyone I knew was talking about it. The Last Jedi, everyone I knew was talking about it. When uh, when Jeremy asked me if I wanted to see Solo with them, didn't even realize it was coming out. Like nobody I knew had been talking about. I was it. the like, only it, one. It, it fell off of my radar. Well, and I feel like that probably has a lot to. If they other people experience that, that probably yeah. has to do with why it didn't make as much money. All I those other movies, uh, Rogue One 
got eight months of advertising before it came out. Yeah, it was- Solo started after Black Panther. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they moved up Infinity War a week to try to give Solo more space to make money. Like Disney knew that they had to try to help stack the deck for Solo. They knew what they were walking into. All these YouTubers like Grace Randolph playing, like saying Kathleen Kennedy is a dunce and doesn't know what she's doing, they're 100% wrong. Disney is playing a grand scheme the way she, Palpatine, played a scheme. Mm-hmm. My, my conspiracy theory is that Disney on purpose is putting out five huge movies this summer to just kill everyone, every other studio's will to try and compete with them on that level. Okay, so they like, want to turn everyone into Fox Searchlight if they can, and that's really because again, I I mainly in expanded universe circles that are not um, particularly fond of the new canon. I'm a little more lenient towards it, or I'm I'm kind of in the camp of I don't want to see it personally, but I don't really care if you see it. Whereas there are some others that are go a little bit more hardline, like full on boycott than I do. But it's kind of a battle of, like you said, I really think. They expected this. It's why they didn't put it in December because the other three movies, again, in December, nothing's coming out. It's why that, as everyone said, it's this isn't this isn't indicative of the fans' backlash. Like I think everyone is, everyone is saying it is. And I said this before the movie came out. The true test against how much they've pissed people off about the Last Jedi will not be Solo. It'll be Episode Nine. If Episode yeah. Nine has a significant drop off, then we'll know for sure that they've. They, they pissed off the fans, but they, if yeah, everyone is still gonna pay to see what happened with Solo. I feel like was like a George, you know, like George Bush's famous quote. This is this was fans fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. Oh wait, it's it's Last Jedi. I'll I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> fool me four times. I'm not a freaking. Uh, Pod racer service droid. I'm not an idiot. I'm not gonna fall for this. And those people, instead of watching it three times opening weekend like they usually do, and helping get Disney over the hundred and twenty million dollar mark, they just saw it once, or they didn't even see it at all, and they're gonna see it next weekend. <laughs> yeah. So let's, I want to wrap this up by ranking. And Dylan, you, I don't. I'll just. No offense, I'll exclude you because you haven't seen a lot of these movies. Uh, ranking our theatrical release Star Wars films. Where does Solo rank? I think we led with this, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But we. Um, but I want to see where. Well, I want to get a good idea as to what's like the gold standard and what's. Okay. The uh, Empire Strikes Back is top of the list. Um, I would put. Last Jedi in that second spot right there, number two. Boom, boom, boom. Ryan Johnson. I love Looper. Like, I have been watching Ryan Johnson's movies since he put out Brick in Sundance. Like, yeah, Brick Johnson's a beautiful, beautiful filmmaker. film. In fact, Ryan Johnson is a lot like. Uh, Re- uh, uh, God, it's Ryan. It's Ryan. Ryan Johnson's a lot like Lucas. Like, if J.J. Abrams is Spielberg, Ryan Johnson is George Lucas. He's very soft spoken, okay? He's very like considerate and careful and thoughtful as a storyteller, um, and I love the Last Jedi. Then I'll put A New Hope after that. Then Force Awakens. Then Return of the Jedi. Then Solo. 
six, yeah. Um, then uh, I guess Revenge of the Sith, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, Rogue One, uh, Clone Wars animated movie. <laughs> okay, so my I consider Empire to be the gold standard. Um, but A New Hope is almost tied with it because mm -hmm. we wouldn't have anything else. Mm -hmm. Then Return of the Jedi is always going to be a, have a soft spot in my heart because the Ewoks. And that we got a lot more creature designs that we didn't get in any of the other films. Yeah, and Nine Nub, man. Nine Nub, what's up? Exactly. And we got the Which, Gamorreans. We got all the Jawa's Palace to me I thought was so cool when I was a kid. The like, Falcon flies freaking perfectly for Lando when he flies it in Return of the Jedi. That must have been L3. <laughs> then I put Rogue One up there. Mm -hmm. um, Phantom Menace. Solo. Well, the thing is, Solo and Phantom Menace are tied for me. Question. I will always defend the Phantom Menace as not being terrible. Question, how many times have you watched Rogue One since it came out? Six. Okay. Um, no, no, because I, I feel like my problem with it, why I rank it so low, is because I feel like it doesn't have the rewatchability. I like it. I just, I rewatched <laughs> it a few weeks ago. I really enjoy Rogue One. Well, the ending scene of Rogue One is extremely rewatchable. It's the yeah, yeah, only but... part of the movie I've seen, actually. But I only need that. But I only need that minute and thirty seconds. Like I don't gotta sit through everyone being depressed and confused and not understanding what's, you know, what they're supposed to be doing in the plot. So I'll give you an example of a movie that I really like that a lot of people don't. I like Alien Three because the I like movies about human suffering and Ooh. attempting to overcome it and failing. Okay. I'm an aliens guy because oh, I, I think it's a disrespect to after all the work Ripley did in Aliens for David Fincher to kill off Newt, you know, off screen. Well, because Newton Hicks, um, it was a. I know, yeah, I, I know, I, I, I know the plot, but I feel that that choice. Oh, I don't agree with it either. It's disrespectful. Um, let's see. I was just reading it right now. Earth Hive is the true Alien Three, in my Ooh. opinion. <laughs> it's it's Hicks and Newt. Yeah. You Are you know? excited for the Predator? No, it looks like they ripped off Alien versus Predator Requiem. No, like okay, the, trash. Watch the Monster Squad because basically the team that made the Monster Squad is making the Predator, and the fact that there's a kid in the trailer basically tells me that the Predator is going to be the Frankenstein in the new Monster Squad of Aliens. Like, that movie's going to be fun. It's going to feel like an 80s movie. So I'm very excited. I, I have faith. <laughs> I have faith. I don't want to see that, though. I, I, I like the Predator fucking in Predator 2 when he thinks about shooting the child. Bro. Uh, you've got the, the, the shoulder cannon, and he's like, oh, it's a toy. I guess, you know, I'll just repeat, want some candy. What about, on, the, what about the Predator somewhere. movie where they were on a uh, planet and it was like the most dangerous game? Predators? Oh, that movie is actually holds up so well. That movie it is does. I watched all that of it not so long ago because when I saw Predators, I didn't like it because it looked cheap with the uh, heat vision, but 
looking back on it, it's a product of like was that 2010 that came yeah. out. Well, yeah. not not only that, but that movie, uh, Robert Rodriguez produced it, and mm -hmm. basically, Fox said we're gonna let you make a Predators movie, but you have to make it for this amount of money, which is very limited, yeah. and you have to get it done like super fast because like this date is like nine months away or something like that. Like they made they churned out that movie so fast, and the fact that it's as good as it is as it is. Yeah, it's a huge success. Same thing with Alien 3, but Alien 3 fell apart, but that's also because they didn't allow David Fincher to edit his own movie. Now, wasn't Alien 3 like a Weinstein movie, I think? Is it Dimension? Um, no. no. Alien 3 is 20th Century Fox. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about Hellraiser or something. Sorry. My, my it's, nerve. it's getting late at night for me in Miami. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good. But it's about, like, uh, 11 o'clock right now. So I need to get back to my. Um, Sorry, you're listening. Ranking these real fast. Rogue so One. I was, at, I was at Phantom and Solo, mm -hmm. Phantom Menace, kind of interchangeable right now. Not sure. Okay. Then Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones. Well, I take that back. Force Awakens beats out Attack of the Clones. Reason Force Actually, Awakens and Attack of the Clones are interchangeable is Force Awakens. Is just a new hope again, and I really wanted them to take a bunch of risks with the Force Awakens that they didn't. It's a solid movie, but they it's took a lot of different risks with the Force Awakens. Like, yeah, they still took huge risks with the Force Awakens. They did. The fact that Disney had the balls to, but to to promote the movie like Luke Skywalker was going to be in it, and then give you silent freaking Luke at the end of the movie, giving you the most epic stare down of your life. Like that is ballsy. That is a risky move. Okay. That but is risky. And risk. that felt pay off. very marvelly too. But it, but the thing is, it's another super weapon. It's a bigger death star. We got yeah, another guy, a tall guy in a mask. We got a whole bunch of things that are the same. George, George gave us a second death star too. Man, It's a grand tradition. I know, but like it's poetry. It was the uh, <laughs> don't, don't you put a lot, put a lot of it balls on it now. <laughs> but like Attack of the Clones, the dialogue is infamously bad. Infamously bad, and they intermix like I don't not sure, but I don't like Last Jedi at all. Um, that gets ranked below that because Last Jedi should have only been two hours, not two and a half hours. It felt it was a mess. The only person who had true character development was Poe and maybe Kylo Ren and Finn, Ray. who got to kiss a girl and he'd never kissed a girl and he learned to not just run away and but act that instinctively. No, he didn't no, learn that no. in Force Awakens. He got chopped in half before he could finish learning his lesson. But, like, he, he, the fact is that he yes, stood up not to the hero. Yeah, but Finn's story is that he's learning he's not the big hero. He's not the guy who's going to pull out the lightsaber and win at the end. He's the guy who's on the team. He's the guy who's uh, he's the Han Solo would be girlfriend is going to run uh, a comic into from the him Empire. with a speeder, and then say this is what we do we save the ones we love and I'm like really because you just tried to fucking run him over. No, he had really did bizarre like backwards character development. Yeah, that, that was my problem. The whole he, he had 
fight. If he had died, the movie would have been pointless. I don't know. Um, if I, he had I, died, I, that movie would have been pointless. If he had died, that entire movie would have been entirely pointless. Well, you see, you would have invested forty minutes of a movie into a storyline of a character that is going to die. Okay, that would have basically have made him a preamble for Rose. That makes no sense. But at the same time, his character doesn't go anywhere. Rose's character doesn't go anywhere. The Canto Bite thing really inevitably is a waste they, of time. They learn to failure. This is the Empire. That was the Empire Strikes Back. This is our heroes learning from loss. But the thing is, there are consequences. I will give you that. There are major consequences for the Resistance. But mainly, it's due to stupidity on Admiral Holdo's part. That's, that's not true. It's not stupidity. It's her character. She is a certain type of character in the in in her book. I think it's called Constellation or something. Where she's in, they explain she's basically the Luna Lovegood of the Rebellion. Yeah, okay? and it didn't make sense why I because she's introduced in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and I hated her character in that. But it was like she was just a goofy kid, and it just felt out of place. And this, she just makes straight up. Why is Poe not involved? I get that Poe is. He got demoted. He got Princess Leia blown up. He put. But, that, but the issue is, in danger and wiped out half the fleet, bro. When does a guy that wipe out half the fleet get entitled to command decisions? But it would have made sense to say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." And you're not allowed to do it. That it's, would make that would make sense in a situation that is not extremely stressful. They are running. They are at. This is the end of the of the resistance. This is like the final. Like this is the most stressful moment of these characters' lives right now. They are facing certain death. Freaking Hux's ship is called the Finalizer. <laughs> He's got a hard on to kill them. Like they oh, know yeah. the stakes are like so stressful. And what's Poe's big plan? He gets five people to defect with him. Like Poe yeah, also doesn't have a full deck either. He's not perfect. No, and that that's the best part of the movie. Poe's storyline is the best. Well, Luke's storyline is the best part of Last Jedi. Luke's becoming one with the force is probably the most beautiful thing i've seen okay in film. Yeah, staring at the twin sons and yeah, oh you know, yeah come that's, on that's gorgeous there's some beautiful scenes in it but and then also the poetry of luke received a hologram of his sister and he's sending a hollow projection to save his sister yeah at the end of the movie it's just beautiful poetic rhyming George Lucas Ian filmmaking that happened in The Last Jedi. Yeah, and then there's the couple things that are really dumb, like Leia flying through space after she froze oh, over. Which they did in Rebels. Yeah, Kanan that was Jared stupid did. in Rebels too. That was stupid when Kanan got thrown out in space and flew back. But people, I, I you shouldn't do it. Flying out in space and expecting to in, live. In Avengers Infinity War, the Maw should have done that. He got punked out. We already proved you can get sucked back into your spaceship if you have enough force powers. It's, it's so bad. But the thing is, and this is my problem with the new canon, is that Leia was a Jedi. 
in the EU, and they haven't really given a good explanation as to why she didn't become a Jedi. And because was part of she Luke's got to she had to be involved in politics. Well, she, she was involved in politics in the EU too, and I, was a Jedi. I, I got you, but not <laughs> a lot of people can carry uh, full-time Jedi job duties and full-time uh, managing the new galactic government you're setting up. Uh, and dealing with the aftermath of the most corrupt regime in, in existence. Okay? I mean, it's better than dealing with the aftermath Chuck Windig wrote. Like, a, a lot of the EU stuff uh, with building, like, the Jedi Academy and all that stuff, like, you... It's wishful thinking that, obviously, in Force Awakens, they told you what happened after Battle of Endor... It wasn't all just, you know, optimistic, happy endings over and over and over. But it wasn't in the EU either, but... No. Chewbacca no. got killed. Oh, I'm so sad. Akbar <laughs> died, actually, as well. Kind of a similar way. But, but I think... Uh, uh, but Clone Wars gets the worst. It doesn't have It doesn't have a good plot. We have Stinky the Hut. Zero Hut. Come on. He's the man. He's a uh, little cutie. He's, he's a proto-porg, in a way. Oh God! He's got the eyes. <laughs> the pork. Oh, zero the hut. Zero. Uh, Terrible. You should um, attach your your pork to a drone because they can fly. Apparently. One of my least favorite things <laughs> that Filoni did in the Clone Wars, which is Anakin Dooku fighting before Revenge of the Sith. I don't like that shit. That shit shouldn't be happen. It makes Anakin, do Anakin and Dooku fought in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Well, no. Like they're so they don't ever. They're not supposed well, to meet again, again till. Gets his head chopped up. Yeah, in well, your the, opinion. the thing that I liked about the EU mm -hmm. with that is that they came so close. So many books, so many comics where Anakin's about to get to Dooku mm -hmm. and Dooku escapes and Anakin loses his shit. But the <laughs> one more step to the dark side, you know, like. But the Clone Wars explained how Qui Gon Jinn, you know, learned to teach people to. Speak from beyond the grave, yeah, you know. That, it that brought back Liam Neeson. There's like, some good shit in Clone Wars. Like, like all the clone stories are pretty good in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka's not good in Clone Wars. <laughs> um, she the, has the, some. She has some dramatic and interesting episodes. And, in five. and if you and her, the way that she, her storyline uh, wraps up, uh, it really gives you perspective into how radicalized Anakin was getting against the the Jedi Order and how they were totally, like, not really giving him the communication that he deserves. And then there's the pacifistic Mandalorians were weird. Um, they, did, they did the best they could with Satine, but Satine was a been-there-done-that character. They had already done that with Obi-Wan prior to that. Um... The mall stuff was wonky with uh, Savage Opress. That that name alone is just... Is that how you're supposed to pronounce it, Savage? Yeah, really? it's Savage Opress. I, I refuse. This is Savage. He's Savage. He's yeah, Randy no, Savage. It's Savage Opress, but it's called... It's Savage Opress. So that it doesn't, you know... So it's not too, too yeah, corny. It's yeah. being subtle. It's, it's, so that... So that Vince McMahon doesn't doesn't sue him. I got it. Yeah. yeah it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
but um, uh, let's, let's segue out of this. Let's get into what we're reading, which Michael doesn't know how to read. I read manga. He reads the mangoes. Um, well, Dylan read hasn't read back. anything in a while. He's well, I read a lot. I have the because I'm doing the timeline order. I have the uh, Phantom Menace novelization, and I know it's good. I know the prequel novelizations are excellent. I just don't have the interest yet. Because it's good, I don't know. It's really good. It's actually a really good audiobook, too. It's actually an unabridged audiobook from the 90s. It's a shock. It's an unabridged? It's unabridged. Wow, I'll have to look into that. Because I read the, I just finished um, Mall Lockdown about a month ago, and I actually thought it was really good. Shadowhunter was good. Cloak of Deception was, I think, full, um, Lucino's only misstep. The Cloak of Deception, though, was pretty good. It was good. It's just I had trouble getting involved into the plot. You have but, to look at it as this. It's like it's like the first Lucino book. I guess it's fair. It's before he wrote. Uh, what was that? Edge of Victory was that him? He wrote the Edge of Victory duology. Uh, yeah, he wrote the Edge of Victory and uh, duology. Force. In unifying force, which, yeah, I did like that. I did like that Vergier was in it because I didn't expect Vergier to be in it, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, Vergier, oh, and she's not a. Oh, and she's not evil. This is refreshing. This is before she became evil. <laughs> you like evil. the um, Senator Greebleeps uh, cameo? I didn't see that. I did like, because um, I read uh, I read Plagueis first, so I did like that it went into more of what happened at the Ariadu Summit, because that was something that was mentioned in um, Plagueis a few times, but they never got into. Yeah, yeah well, the Ariadu Summit's kind of a big deal. But uh, Senator Greebleeps, for those of you who don't know, is when in Phantom Menace, there's a bunch of ETs that have a cameo oh. in the Senate. And their senator is just Spielberg's name spelled backwards. Of course. It, it, it was a joke that Lucas had with Spielberg and Lucino put it in. But uh, did you get the George Sabak cameo? Uh, in which? In Cloak of Deception? In Cloak of Deception. I did not. Yeah, George Sabak, uh, before he's the crazy clone in Outbound Flight. Um, he's in there. But then again, um, Mall Lockdown has Kamari Vosa from the Bando Gora, the Bounty Hunter video. Yeah, game. and I actually have a I actually have a, an issue with how the book timeline, like in the because I think the book timeline is wrong because both Cloak of Deception and Mall Shadow Hunter, I think hap are happening at roughly the same time because they both end pretty much when um they both end at when when uh, Phantom Menace begins. But then the in the books, it says you should read Mall Lockdown next. And Mall Lockdown doesn't end. It's like there's no possible way at, in, Sh in Shadowhunter. Because at the end of Shadowhunter, Obi-Wan has um, seen the remnants of that final battle, went back to the temple and said, hey, I need to report on this. And they said, hold on to your report. You need to go to uh, Naboo to negotiate this trade deal. I've always disagreed with that timeline, too, because I think Lockdown happens before. Yeah, how, just because of how Plagueis before. interacts with Palpatine in Lockdown makes more sense before Shadowhunter. Exactly. How, how does Maul's How is Maul's character depicted in these? Is he still stoic? Like, how does yes, his character so, develop? In his um, character Shadowhunter, in his books. Shadowhunter isn't from Maul's perspective most of the time. It's like 
it's Maul is the antagonist in Shadowhunter. It's but mainly his name's about in the title. <laughs> well, yeah, it is in the title, <laughs> but okay. it's mainly about um, Lauren Pavin, who is um, and uh, it's mainly about Lauren Pavin, and basically Lauren Pavin learns information about um, the incoming um, attack on the Trade Federation, and he's trying to sell this information, and Palpatine learns of this and says, "Hey." He can't be telling people about our plans, so Maul, you got to go kill him. And it's basically a, a the story of it's basically Maul trying to kill this guy, and like the story of him getting away. So and, Maul is in it, so, and you do get little snippets of his of him, but so does Maul again, kill Pavin? Oh, well, obviously yes, because if, if Maul doesn't and kill and Pavin, Phantom Menace does uh, Later on, with um, his Pavit's son is the uh, main character yeah, in Coruscant Nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I and yeah, the weird noir Star Wars books that aren't that good. And then, so I thought Shadowhunter did a good job with again keeping Maul mysterious and um, mysterious, and because you get a little bit into a into him, he was very loyal to Palpatine. He was very overconfident in his over abilities and his own abilities, and he was very like, "I want to kill the Jedi." I. Because uh, there's a Jedi that um, does, uh, there's two Jedi actually that do find Lauren, and he has to fight them both. Again, they they don't make it because you know if they don't make it, Phantom Menace does, they make it. Phantom Menace doesn't happen. But so it's very in character, I thought. However, um, shut um, lockdown, and you recently read it. Um, yeah, I read it. Ooh, this is pushing two years ago. I read Lockdown. Um, I think Lockdown. Again, his character made sense. I just think it got too far into, like... He got a little OP in. Well, first of all, Lockdown is one of the most gory Star Wars books I've ever read. It's truly disgusting at times. He rips a Wampa's heart out with his bare hands uh, (laughs) at one point. Because uh, Lockdown's plot is that Maul's stuck on this prison barge called The Purge. And the inmates are forced to fight each other, and it's televised on the black market. So you're telling me that Luke could have done a Kali Ma maneuver on the Wampa at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, well, no, and yeah, that it would have worked. Okay. That hard that his fist went through it, and he ripped its heart out. And he, he did this without using the Force. Yes, he, uh, that's the big thing. Is because he he goes by the greatest name ever in a book, Jagannath. That's his name he goes by, and he's trying to find this person in on the perch. And like he fights all sorts of things, like he fights a Vong. Okay. Before Even they're introduced and Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's that's I dig that. But what is like so you read the other Coruscant Knight book as well with his son? I've I have read God. of it. It's Okay, so do do the two stories, like at least from Pavin's and his son's perspective, do they well, complement each other? Like, well, do they share the same themes? Does his son learn the lesson his father couldn't? Like, they f- okay, so he his son doesn't know what happened to his dad okay. for a long time. And by the way, these are all written by Michael Reeves. Michael Reeves writes all of these. Yeah, it's um, called the Jack's Pavin. I think there's six books. That the first one is Shadow Hunter following his father. Uh, what happens is Jack's Pavin is a uh, 
He is a non-force uh, sensitive who essentially works at the Jedi Temple as like their security force, as part of the Jedi Temple security force. Oh, he's Jedi. The Jedi find out. Gotcha. The Jedi <laughs> find out that uh, his son is force sensitive, so they want to train him. But because Jedi can have no attachments, they basically have to let him go, and he can never see his son again. So he kind of becomes resentful of the Jedi for. Uh, for basically, because he's like, I've been working for you guys for years, and you just, uh, and like, I've been outcast, and I can't see what. So he kind of becomes a so, little bit of that. So the book highlights how the Jedi Order had, had you know, done the failure stuff that Luke talks about in The Last Jedi, that they, you know, don't understand connection and can't, you know, get past their own dogma. Yeah, in a way. In a way, cool. uh, but like there's there's uh, it goes Shadow Hunter, then in a way the Med Star duology because I fives in there, which is the robot that shows up throughout, um, and then it goes into the Coruscant Knights trilogy, which ends in a book called The Last Jedi. Ironically, ironically, <laughs> cool. Actually, there was a tweet from Mark Campbell where right before Last Jedi came out. He uh, said, "Like, hey, the novelization was uh, released like five years ago or something." And like, spoiler <laughs> alert! And <laughs> but yeah, um, do we want to get into what I've been reading before we we have to end this show for being fucking two and a half hours? <laughs> oh, it has been two hours. <laughs> it's been two hours. So I've been reading the Paradise Snare, which is book one in AC Crispin's Han Solo trilogy. Which has a very young Han Solo, who escapes being basically a slave and goes to a planet to be a, a smuggler, and it's before he meets Chewbacca. I, a couple chapters in, Dylan, you're muted. There we go. <laughs> he was getting force choked. I think. It's all right. My no, it's just whenever I cough, I mute my mic, so I'm not like coughing into the thing. I, oh, I guess yeah. I forgot it, but like is that me? I guess you're only a few chapters since so you don't know. I remember in one of the trilogies, he straight up murders someone. Like that's in and, Brian Daly's. That's in Han Solo at Star's End. I know what you're talking about. And it's a, a very like it was around. It was written around the time of the uh, the Han shot first controversy. So it was. Well, it was written. It was one of the first EU books. Oh, Brian it was Daly. okay. Yeah, that was that it was written in the 78, 79. Okay, so it was before that. I'm getting the two trilogies mixed up. You're getting AC Crispin one is what you're thinking. Yeah, because the AC Crispin was was the nineties one. Yes. Okay. Um, which sadly AC Crispin's not with us anymore, which is a real shame because I'd like to meet her and thank her for there's a few authors that we've lost over the years. Yeah. Because I think um, Riley Daly's not with us anymore either. Let me look that up. Um, and of course, Jason Aaron isn't. It's a real shame. Jason Aaron writing some of the saddest Star Wars books ever, as well Aaron as Olsen, the funniest moments ever. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I just finished Last Shot. Um, but mainly right now, I've been going through this big Aliens novel kick. Cool. which has been really interesting because Star Wars has such a nice continuity and Aliens is yeah. 50 shades of fucked up. I have an Aliens uh, comic book like anthology that I picked up off of Loot Vault that's on my stack of things to read. That was like a, a great deal. 
there's some solid aliens work out there. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the problem is they started like the early the comics started a year after Aliens came out, and Ooh. they start Hicks and Newt, but Newt's yeah. an adult. Yeah. So when Alien Three came out, it fucked it up big time. Yeah. Then they kind of just rolled with it and just kind of retconned a little bit by changing their names to Wilkes and Billy instead of Hicks and Newt. So in the novel, it's Wilkes and Billy, but the comic adaptation, it's Hicks and Newt. And so it takes me a while to read it because my brain has to process that. (laughs) But then again, it gets fucked up. Well, technically it gets fucked up with the first Alien vs. Predator movie. That's yeah, that, that movie works. tears up everything. <laughs> yeah, and then Requiem doesn't help. And then yeah. we get to Prometheus, which puts the final nail in the coffin of any sort of continuity. Well, Prometheus was a giant setup movie, and I was hoping, you know, Covenant would, you know, stick the landing that was unclear in Prometheus, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It just muddied it up the timeline fun. even worse. And it was Fox horrible. Allow it to. That's part of the problem with. <laughs> I love Covenant as a standalone film. I think it's a lot better than Alien Resurrection. No, I would rather watch Joss Whedon's Alien Resurrection than Alien Covenant any day. Alien Covenant freaking has a ends on a shower joke. Danny McBride is in an entire Aliens movie, and he doesn't get one joke that makes someone laugh. He doesn't get one. You know, one bit of humor? Mm. Alien Covenant is a travesty, my friend. I don't know. James Franco gets killed before he's ever really on screen, so I don't have to They told more more character development in that movie, in the pre-material stuff before the movie, than what was actually in the movie. Well, okay, (laughs) have you read Covenant Origins? No, I, I am a pure alien film and supplementary auxiliary... Uh, promotional material video on YouTube, guy. Okay, don't read Alien Covenant Origins. I just finished it. It's one of the worst things I've ever read. Oh my god! But, but it came out cool. with Alien or wait, with Alien Covenant. Yes, okay. it's one of the worst things I've ever read because there's no alien. There's uh, barely any of the main cast. Daniels, you know, the main character mm-hmm. of the movie is in three chapters. Yikes! So it's not a. It's not. You know, no David at all. Oh, no, no David. No Walter? Walter. Walter has one chapter at the end. Mm. But David and Walter, my two favorite characters of that movie. David's not in it at all. Mm-hmm. And Walter's in the last fucking. Also, chapter. what what I thought was so horrible about um, Alien Covenant that I think is Ridley Scott just being an old man. Um, oh yeah. Is that the ending? There was a way to you could have ended that they already set up how to end that movie in a dramatic scary way. David didn't have to put her down and say anything creepy at all. All he had to do was play Take Me Home Country Roads and everyone would have left that theater feeling so creeped out and ending on a cool song and it would have made David seem even more fucked up. Well, okay, the other thing about that that doesn't work is the whole, the second chestburster coming out and suddenly it's a full alien on the ship at the end. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to the pansexual aliens that are in the Aliens franchise. But like, According to Ridley Scott. It shows, James Cameron understood. 
that, he understood how things should be diagrammed correctly. <laughs> well, Ridley Scott put that weird. I just rewatched Alien yesterday. Mm-hmm. There, there's a re- weird possible rape scene in Alien with um, the other woman actor, with the tail goes up her leg. That's super gross, and I've never noticed it before. And he leaned it into it way hard in Covenant. He wanted to get it in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking weird. Well, I think Prometheus had the weird goop that came out of Holloway's eye, and then he he fucks her, and then she has a squid baby. <laughs> well, that, I, I at least appreciate Prometheus was like delving into religious themes and actually trying to think about stuff in a more, you know, less than just we're just space truckers kind of way. Yeah, like Alien has its own place and Prometheus has its own place. But then Covenant just doubled back down on space truckers. I, I don't know. I like Covenant for what it was. It's no Alien. It's no Aliens. I'd rank it with Alien 3. What's sad is we'll never get that Neil Blomkoff alien movie. And no, you'll never, you never will. And Neil Blomkoff has been, has he still, he's been, he was releasing a, a bunch of like his own sci-fi shorts and stuff. Yes. And some of them were pretty cool and interesting. He's trying to get one of them funded uh, for a feature length, um, Mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting. But I'm uh, reading, uh, I just picked up a stack of uh, my local comic shop, Max Comics is going out of business. So I just bought mm-hmm. like a crap ton of uh, Poe Dameron comics okay, uh, for like a dollar each. And uh, I also there picked up um, a copy of uh, the DJ, the first issue of the DJ comic they had it's for Last Jedi. Shot. And it was so bad. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, it's it's like, it's written in the most confusing way possible. And sometimes he has a speech impediment and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, like in the movie, and it's obnoxious. Horribly written. Horribly written. Well, I, I was trying to analyze it, the speech impediment, because I heard someone complaining about that, that, like, that's him, you know, that's his way of uh, manipulating people or, you know, it grifting people or something. But I don't eh. know. I don't know. I th- what, honestly, that's what I clear. thought Ryan Johnson's like, can you do a take without the speech impediment, and can you do one with the speech impediment? Well, and then someone else edited it? Well, because, well you know, what probably happened is they cast him and they expected him to be Mumbles, or, or they or they thought that he wouldn't be Mumbles from The Usual Suspects. And Benito yeah. Del Toro tried to act like Mumbles from The Usual Suspects. And Ryan Johnson liked it a little bit, but ultimately he had to set up the plot line that somebody is profiteering off of these great Star Wars and it's not only Disney and Lucasfilm; it's apparently rich gamblers in Canto Bight. Yeah. So, how you join Poe? Uh, I haven't opened any Poes yet. I just grabbed the the DJ, but I think I have like uh, like issue twelve through like twenty two, twenty three. I don't know. So, in good my, run. And Poe is a little of this, but mostly this. Um, especially in the later issues, I'm behind by like three issues. So uh, where Poe is right now is right after Last Jedi, and he's talking about Force Awakens. That's the current arc. Okay. 
but a lot of it is lead up. Like he's trying to find Lorsan Tekka. Okay. I wonder and if because uh, he they announced Poe as a main character in Star Wars Resistance. It might tie in. They might I, do some tie ins. Yeah. I wonder if any of those comics characters will also get a chance to get their you know fleshy. I would hope. I, uh, specifically, I, I'm a big Snap guy. Because okay. I like he, that actor because he's done a lot of garbage B movies for like Asylum and stuff, and he's always a good actor. So it's like a rarity in Asylum films. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I've learned to cherish him. And when he was in Force Awakens, I was super happy that he wasn't doing an Asylum movie. May, I guess I guess someone casting at Lucasfilm is a big Asylum fan too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's see. It, did it, has Asylum done a uh, Star Wars, you know, version? Like, because I know they had Transmorphers and different stuff. They did the. Sharknado three, no Sharknado four was the Fourth Awakens. Yeah, but nothing specifically like no because it's like a, a, a cease and assist. <laughs> I have a feeling like Disney would put their foot down and say, "Don't, don't you dare desecrate our stuff! <laughs> don't you fucking dare! We know you made Transmorphers and other garbage." Um, but do we want to do questions, Dylan, or do we want to just skip it? Um, do we even have any questions from last time? Why don't you look it up? I had to read them last time. I always have to look it up. Dylan, you fucking were lazy last time, and I had to look <laughs> them up. Don't no, I specifically remember every single time we've done questions, it's been me looking them up. That's not true at all. It's 50-50. Well, maybe in the old days, back when we did I these bi-weekly. <laughs> I, we may have one, which will probably take half an hour. <laughs> right. Dylan, come on, Dylan. I also have to scroll through 10 years of your videos for the last time we did this podcast. It was March. Yeah. Well, while we stall for Dylan, you can check out my podcast on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. It's called The Vundacast. Uh, we do a show. Um, uh, we're trying to get four out a month. I have no consistency. And when I can put them out, because my life is, is you know, kind of chaotic. But I try to get four out by the end of the month. Um, I do a show with my wife where we usually always diverge and talk about Star Wars or aliens. Um, and uh, I also do a show with uh, my friend Mr. J where we usually talk about uh, the DC film universe and uh, TMNT and uh, Power Rangers and uh marvel and like anything comic book related i also do a show called a whole lot of with uh two directors uh who directed uh season three episode three of uh, ash versus the evil dead uh the maze brothers uh and that show is like a free-for-all bonanza of um of all things nerdy and horror and 80s and 90s and uh our 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 host uh andres is uh, a self-proclaimed Marvel Tard. So if anybody watching oh, is a uh, fellow Marvel Tard, as he <laughs> dubs it, um, you might enjoy him trying to piss me off all the time uh, on that show. Uh, as well, I have we do have one EU guy who edits um, our podcast and uh, shows up a bunch, and he's Blockbuster Guy Frank, and he has a channel called Oh, It's Blockbuster Guy. And uh, 
he um, is he's a he's young. He's only he's in his early twenties, so he's still you know catching up on a lot of EU stuff. But he's our resident uh, EU defender on our podcast, and we actually did a, a great um, episode seven commentary where we had three haters and three lovers of Star Wars, and one person who is neutral and really doesn't give a fuck. And uh, we all did a crazy, like, argument, debate, commentary for Force Awakens after it came out that you guys might dig. Um, but thank you guys so much for giving me a chance to uh, be on your show and be on your podcast. And uh, I've had a great time uh, talking with you guys. And I really just I want to just reiterate, because I've seen this weekend that Solo came out, there's been a lot of, like, it's felt like the fan base has been at war with itself. Um, and I want to remind everybody that when you get a bunch of people that like Star Wars, whatever version of Star Wars they like in a room together, they have more things in common than they actually don't have in common, even though it doesn't feel that way. Um, we're all just, you know, still Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm running for president in the year 2020. Uh-oh. Are we, are <laughs> Whoa. I know. Someone's going against Waru. All right, so we only have one person who asked questions, but they asked four questions in typical oh. Dark Snowia fashion. I should have known that he would be involved in this. Darth Riddler himself <laughs> appears. Darth Riddler Whoa. himself. No, they're not. They're not novels this time. Oh. So well, he's being merciful. <laughs> so first question: What would EU Luke think of Jake Skywalker? I don't think he would really think anything of it. I think he would just be like, okay, and move on with his day. Yep. Uh, other than Karen Travis, what other authors do you think, um, whether it's in the new Canada Legends, are not team players? Chuck Wendig. Chuck Wendig by far. Because everyone's had to fucking write around his atrocious trilogy. It, his fucking Aftermath trilogy is baffling on multiple levels. Um to a certain, are we just talking writers? Yeah, because I would add Dave Filoni to that list, but I yeah, think that's I too obvious. Too. He didn't. Dave Filoni now is different than Dave Filoni in two thousand eight. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, it's interesting because I I saw this uh, YouTube video that got put out where basically it was someone juxtaposing um, Lucasfilm's announcement from uh, when they when Disney bought it. And George and Kathleen saying that they they're doing things for the fans and they're making their decisions based on the fans and blah blah. And then cut to 2018 and it's you know Ryan and uh, Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy and they're just saying we're we're dedicated to the story and we're trying to satisfy the story. We're not trying to you know just serve as fans anymore. Blah blah blah. blah. So there has been definitely. Company policy has changed. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if company part of that. What I see with that was Force Awakens. It's been said they just Kathleen Kennedy said we need a movie now, so they wrote a movie. They wrote mm -hmm. one movie. They didn't write it with a plan at that point. They wrote Force Awakens mainly. The guy who wrote Toy Story three wrote a draft. J.J. Abrams said it was garbage and rewrote it. Michael Arnold. And then um, then they went from there. 
So that's why there was a bunch of things set up in Force Awakens that and, didn't necessarily pay off in Last Jedi. But they still could pay off and pay off in auxiliary material down the line. No, because J.J. Abrams is uh, involved in Episode Nine. But but that's why she picked J.J. Because J.J. he's made Lost mm -hmm. work. You know, he's good at setting up. He's good at setting up a lot of good toys. That's JJ's plus, JJ strength as a filmmaker. A very, um, social media friendly director. Mm -hmm. it was, oh, I have no problem. JJ Abrams was the their best choice. Mm -hmm. I remember leaving. To do it. I remember leaving the Star Trek 2009 reboot, and just everybody leaving that theater, just saying, "Oh my God, can you imagine if JJ made a Star Wars movie? How perfect it would be." That was the resounding sentiment I heard that week. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, 2009. J.J. Abrams, Star Trek, that was the first trailer for The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, what's, what's the next question, Dylan? Third question is... Wait, wait, wait. I, I have one joke that I wrote for Darth Riddler while we were processing that, which is uh, Darth Riddler would say, uh, riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the smiling loth cat? Air horns. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. That was horrible. <laughs> His third question is, have you ever played Star Wars Connect? I'm pretty sure all seven people who bought Star Wars Connect have not played Star Wars Connect. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I watched the JonTron review when it came out. Um, <laughs> Lastly, uh, does anyone listen to the audiobooks of Star Wars? If so, who's your favorite narrator? Okay, uh, for me, I listen to a lot of these. Is Jonathan Davis is my absolute favorite as a narrator, but Mark Thompson does the best voices. I would agree and with January that. January Lavoy is not that bad. Mm -hmm. I think she gets hated on the most because, because she can't do a man's voice very well. But she's a woman. And it's yeah. not like the other two do women's voices well <laughs> either. No. <laughs> Pivot um, question. Um, Marvel this year put out like a Wolverine uh, podcast where it's like basically like uh, a radio play podcast telling a Wolverine uh, noirish sort of uh, story. Oh, like a uh, radio dramatization? Yeah, it's basically just a podcast, but it's telling a you know radio drama version of Wolverine, and they got the guy who was uh, Richard Armitage from The Hobbit. He's the voice of. He's their podcast Marvel Universe Wolverine voice. Um, how, how would you feel if uh, Star Wars built like a podcast Star Wars They've universe line? They've before. They actually, Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels and Billy D. Williams came back to do a radio dramatization of the original trilogy. Wow, I did not know that. In the uh, late eighties, early nineties, although Mark Hamill didn't do Return of the Jedi, okay, um, they did it. Uh, the Dark Forces books by William C. Ditz were all mm -hmm. dramatized. Cool. Crimson Empire, the comic was dramatized. Uh, the Dark Empire, at least the first two Dark Empire stories are dramatized. So Disney um, owns podcasts that they could put out right now if they wanted to. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, they have a whole bunch of stuff that they did dramatizations of. Um, it just uh, as audiobooks became more popular, it it just it's easier and cheaper to have one person do all the voices and like just mm -hmm. have one recording session. 
which mm-hmm. is basically what um Random House um when I talked to them back in 2015 about this told uh told me that it's simply easier. Now, I do agree with both of your picks. Uh Jeremy Mark Thompson is simply the best at voices and um and uh I mean Yeah, I feel like though really- in Star Wars No, I'm sorry. Go down. Yeah, they're both. And Jonathan Davis is by far like really good as well. Well, well, Jonathan Davis is the voice of Darth Bane, in my opinion. Oh yeah, he definitely is. He is the. He is Darth Bane. And I think that the reason that everyone hates January Lavoie isn't because she's a bad voice actress. It's just she's had the displeasure of doing the audiobooks for some of the worst books in Star Wars. Yeah, um, she's gotten some decent stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Um, what they did with the last shot book is um, Mark Thompson does um, the majority of it, but January Lavoie does the uh, Lando backstory. Okay. And um, Jose, the, the author actually does part of the audiobook, and his stuff's the weakest, but he's not a, vo- he's not a narrator. He's mm-hmm. the author. Like, ideally, as you say, I think that, again, ideally, I think that the audiobook should have two voice actors. Three would, again, three, the dream team would be to have Jonathan Davis narrate, Mark Thompson do male voices, General Voy do female voices. That would be the dream team because Mark Thompson can do, can't do, neither Mark Thompson or Davis can do female voices, and General Voy can't do male voices. But it's a good, it's a good mix. But, but these. It, Three people. These, yeah. These recordings don't have any uh, music cues or, or sound oh, effects. They, they have. They do? They're, they're like in a okay. vent. Cool, cool. They yeah. Sound effects. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah, they have, they have Star Wars sound effects. They have the Star Wars. Uh, they have licensed Star Wars music because they oh, have the, the rights to do that. The only downside is they don't have new canon, new stuff. Like the newest music they put in there is from Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Yeah, and, and they're not and they're not making any original music for this. It, no. uh, I believe the Marvel podcast is it's creating original music for it, you know. And and Disney could totally do it if they wanted to. Well, uh, it's also um, Audible is starting to do audio dramas just for mm-hmm. Audible. Like they took a couple of the Alien books um, that came out in the last couple of years and they made audio dramas out of them. Cool. Uh, they did it with some X-Files books, too. So I think the audio dramas are going to come back. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I I actually, again, I pretty much agree with you there. That uh, it's going that way because I know I'm not the only person... We're not the only people who have talked about the problem of having one uh, voice actor do the entire book is kind of jarring because there's some certain voices they can't do. And it really just comes down to a production pipeline thing with Random House. But if it, if it's Audible doing it, then I mean, sure. Okay. Uh, is there one more question? No, that was all. That was the okay. That was the four. I'm going to cut it here because I have a bunch of cats. I have to get into the house. I've needed to shit for the last like 50 minutes. I have to also, but I didn't want. That's to. what my Riddler reference was about. It was your cats are shitting. I knew it. I felt it through the force. It all makes sense. <laughs> Meal. All right. It was good to have you on, Stephen. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Dylan. It was a good time, Jeremy, Dylan, Michael. You guys rock, man. All right. Force be with you. We'll see you soon.
Later. Later.